0: All right, Inappropriate Earl is back. Back for more. And you know who sang that song, uh, the great Stephen Piercy, a sponsor of Inappropriate Earl, at Mike Knuckles on Twitter. You want some cool-looking knuckles for when you're bombing at an open mic comics, uh, you know where to go. Tell me, you know Earl. They'll take care of you. Also, uh, we got some new sponsors this week, too. Uh, Beverly Kills. Go on uh, BeverlyKillsCA.com, and uh, they got some great uh, T-shirts and stuff. And, of course, for you hockey players who are jonesing to play in this 2,000-degree weather out here, ProStockHockey.com for all your hockey needs. See, I got all the plugs out of the way because I'm a fucking pro. Uh, And uh, we took a two-week hiatus on Inappropriate all frankly, because... I couldn't get people to drive to my house. Uh, it's not easy getting people to come here. You you know, you think you can do it better than me. I'll give you my gear and you can book the show. So, uh, but we got a lot of guests coming up and a few celebrity guests uh, pending. trying to get Peter Horton from Side Out to come down and talk about the Star Wars of the Beach movies with C. Thomas Howell and anyone from Showgirls. I'm obsessed with that movie. I've reached out to Greg Travis, who was the sleazy guy always trying to get the dancers to fuck uh, the Asian guy. (laughs) You seen Caesar sing? Oh, yeah. He'll sing a lot of songs. So uh, that's uh, probably just got rid of three listeners right there. (laughs) Today, I have a dude uh, I've met at the comedy store. Uh, He's a musician. And we kind of share the same uh, interests, but different. And I'm humbled and honored. we talked about it a lot to get him on this couch, the same couch that the drummer from Cinderella has sat on, the same couch that the lead guitar player from Warren has sat on, the singer from Rat, the bad guy from Superman Two, John Philbin Turtle from the North Shore. I get the big ones. Please put your sweaty sausage-like hands together for the one, the only Moan Red. Earl, thank you very much, sir. What an introduction! I think the podcast is over. You got anything you want to plug? <laughs> <laughs> the
1: musician in me can't help but start with a, a little sound check. Is my mic technique okay
0: uh, over yeah. here? Uh, you're not well. You don't have your mic knuckles, but that's uh, I had to give away a pair. Okay, to the uh, singer from Blackboard Jungle. Right when i was uh, introducing them at the viper room for their once a year concert they do see they get the 80s they know that no one wants to see 80s bands anymore for the most part so they do a one time once a year concert at the viper room right just make it make it special extra special yeah, the yeah. blackboard jungle the great brit Pinella has been on this uh, couch the bass player but they get it like they don't go out play state fairs in front of 30 people they sell it
1: <laughs> there's something wonderful about the phrase state fairs in front of 30 people
0: yeah but, you know some bands are touring they're down to one original guy uh they're calling it the you know the the, the band name even though it's not the band anymore you know like rat you know um, i have i have mixed feelings
1: about you know the whole what we encounter as rock fans is should they should they carry on or should they not you know what I mean? I, I sort of have mixed feelings about that. I mean, I understand, you, you know, you can't replace key people. That's not the name of the game. But, uh, you know, if the songs are cool, I feel like the songs should should be played. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I mean, in Rat's case, they are like the poster... Uh child of that argument like you know right, right now there's literally three rats touring uh, right, yeah okay
1: well that's probably that's an extreme yeah i was thinking of the more sort of like you know oh, should should zeppelin have maybe done more post bonham don't get me wrong everyone you don't replace john bonham
0: but still but you know they almost uh in the mid 80s they basically did replace him with the the great I don't know why this guy isn't talked about more. Okay. He was the drummer in the power station and Chic. Oh. Maybe because he was black, but I, and I'm being serious, the great Tony Thompson. Right, okay. Uh, they, he played with them in Live Aid. He was a Live Aid man. And they had him with Phil Collins. They did two drummers. I don't know why you would need... I mean, with Tony Thompson, you don't need a second drummer.
1: I mean, if he was such a good drummer, it's a shame Jimmy Page didn't tune his guitar up. Well, I think
0: that was by design, right? And by the way, breaking news uh, today. uh, Let me do a fake, uh, you know, typewriter sound. Uh, Led Zeppelin won their lawsuit for stealing. uh... (laughs) No, they did. Yeah, they said it's like within the hour, last hour. This is a Thursday. uh what is it the 23rd of uh june uh led zeppelin is uh free to steal now from other musicians they have
1: sticky fingers in that band they do have some sticky fingers you know
0: well i mean you as a musician much i mean i i can't play any instrument uh i mean i guess uh there was a band who said that led zeppelin stole the uh chord uh structure uh-huh. uh for one of their songs and uh they said they had opened uh, Zeppelin, had actually opened for them in I think '68, something like, something like that '68, '69. And uh, Zeppelin's uh, legal team or manager said, uh, We've never been on the same bill as you guys. And of course, you know, in the day of the internet, someone researched it and they right. did open, sure. For it, uh,
1: it was, it was marred though, in terms of the guys, you know, trying to win that one, there was quite a few technical uh problems. The fact that the it was the it was the written music that was copyrighted that didn't help, you know what I mean?
0: But I mean, as a musician, I mean you can't really uh, copyright chord structure, can you? I mean, it's, I mean, um... I mean if that was the case, Kiss would be in big trouble. <laughs> I I mean it's it's a
1: that's just a jungle that whole copyright infringement thing. I mean, having some money and lawyers and good lawyers certainly doesn't hurt doesn't hurt. But it is a bit of a jungle, man. I, I don't think Zeppelin were ever really looking in too much danger.
0: I mean, you know, uh, I know Alice Cooper sued Kiss for uh, stealing the structure of the song 18. Okay. And I forget the Kiss song, but it, you listen to him and you're like, wow, that's the same song. So. But then
1: that recent one you know the one that got a lot of press the Pharrell thing that was a that was a strange one you know that was very uh i mean i don't i don't know it didn't seem that it seemed more like um they were going after them for doing something the style
0: of something you know right i mean you can you you can't copyright like it, it it's the same thing in the comedian world like right if I go out and do a Donald trump joke tonight someone i mean you know everyone's gonna talk about the same shit right. I don't think I have the market on Donald Trump uh, looking orange from you know liver failure.
1: (laughs) There's that one. This interview might be this this interview might be marred by my memory
0: skills. Mine too. I mean, the trial of Zeppelin today. I can't remember the name of the band. Yeah, we're trying to
1: remember who is. Oh, is it John Cougar Mellencamp? I'm trying to remember something I saw on a documentary once. Just fleetingly, someone was once uh, sued by. He was sued by a record company for sounding sounding like himself. Did you ever hear that one?
0: Uh, you know, it sounds like something John Cougar would be involved in, but... It may have been him. I, was it
1: him or was it someone else? Like, they were with one label and then went to another one. So the former label said, Hey, you sound like you did on our label, and they sued him for that. I mean, yeah. My point is, it's, just, it's
0: madness. There's madness involved in that world. Which is why I know in your uh, profile picture on Facebook... It it is a prince, right? And I loved how he stuck it to the record companies. You know, he he, you know sued to get out of his uh, contract. I think at some point, yeah, and then just said, "Fuck it, I'm going to release everything on my own." He
1: really did. He bless. I mean, oh, Prince, man. Like you said, I've got I've got his picture up on my Facebook page. Still, still adjusting to the change.
0: Well, I mean, I'm a huge Prince fan, but uh, mainly from his Prince and the Revolution days. Sure.
1: I mean, that's just, that's like magic. I was listening to his uh, some tracks from his second album yesterday. You know, Why You Have to Treat Me So Bad, and it's just magical, man. Like a 20-year-old kid, are you kidding me?
0: Well, I really like the... uh... The partnership he had with Dez Dickerson, who was the Dez could rock, man. But yeah. he also ripped me off for twenty five dollars
1: once. <laughs> well, let's let's deal with that first. I'd
0: like to, to be honest. With you want <laughs> me twenty five? Twenty five dollars. He had a website. I think it was dezdickerson.com or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> he had this. Uh, you know, he wore the uh, Asian bandana. Right. You know, around it was a cool look, especially in the 80s. It was like, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so for $25, you could. Uh Get an autographed Asian bandana, and I sent it, and I never got the fucking bandana. I think I've heard this on a previous podcast.
1: Like, I'm not the bandana never came, right?
0: Well, no, what you're referring to. Hold on, I got uh, very unprofessional phones paging and buzzing. Uh, you're referring to when I ordered the Vinnie Vincent box, set okay. okay, on cassette, which should have been a red flag. Uh, so but he, you've been done numerous times, is what you're basically saying. But this is why these people. I'm, I'm taking prince out of it well i'll leave des dickerson in it but <laughs> right. like prince isn't selling 25 dollar autographed fucking uh bandanas <laughs> but uh you know these people some people wonder why they have no fan base left is right. why would you fuck over one of the few people who probably bought one of these things in vinnie vincent's case it's like you know what are you doing you're sending out box sets with no merchandise in them you know what though man i mean it is um
1: it's hard out there, dude. You know, I well, mean, but I mean, I mean, you think of something to pay the rent, and maybe it doesn't quite pan out. You know what I mean?
0: But I mean, all he had to do was, you know, put up a message on his GeoCities website <laughs> right. that said, "Hey, Kiss fans or Benny Vincent fans, uh, uh, lie and say uh, the production problems. Uh, they'll be out soon. Uh, you know, we're holding your money. You know, we're not you know, right." Uh, So, and then, you know, another guy, the bass player from the Plasmatics, Jean Beauvoir. Uh, He was basically the black, he's black, for those of you who aren't (laughs) Plasmatic fans. uh, Right. He was the bass player in Kiss in the 80s on the studio albums. Okay. You know, I was on to Eugene long before anyone else. Uh, And I, I sent him four autographed pictures. Or four pictures, I, he said he would autograph, for, I think like a hundred bucks total. Twenty-five bucks seems to be a bad number for me. Uh-huh. Never got the fucking.
1: I mean, it's 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 a blow for a fan. You know what I mean? I'm sorry about that, dude. Uh, well, this is like 15 years ago. I'm still bitter about. Yeah, I can see. I, I can see. I've I've tapped a tapped a nerve here.
0: But here is the best karma. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was dating the manager of Motorhead female manager let's make that uh for the record (laughs) they have two managers todd and shelly i was dating shelly for six years oh wow and uh at one point this guy from the plasmatics approaches shelly about managing him and uh she said earl should i i'm like nope so because you fucked me out of a hundred dollars you lost out on a manager. Hey, listen, man!
1: Isn't that, it's true. what goes around comes around? Who would a good rat song? Right, right. it's our biggest hit. Who would have thought?
0: Well, it's karma. I, I can't tell you. I see it in the. I don't know about in the music business. Uh-huh. I'm assuming it's the same because I think we live in very uh, similar uh, businesses. I mean, uh, I see a lot of comics who have karma come back to them right bands maybe you know same or is it different and how's it working is it political in the music world
1: oh man the, the, i think the rules are there are no rules in the music world i think that i think, the, I think the, the comedy world has a bit more of a uh, substantial sort of midsection of belly you know what i mean where it's not so much you're nowhere or you're at the top i think there's that middle bit where you can sort of work and make a living i mean correct me if i'm wrong no but i just i just i just think it has a bit more it might not be ideal, but I think it has a bit more of that that mid section whereas music i think is a bit more like obscurity or you know somewhere good and then i mean some guys figure some guys and girls figure out a mid section they kind of you know getting their tunes on t v or like teaching music or something like that um
0: but I think now more than ever really in both fields uh you can you almost don't need a record company or a, a comedy, uh, like a traditional comedy record company, but you, with the advent of YouTube and uh, web, you know, comedy sites like Funny or Die and, uh, you know, you can put out your own shit.
1: You can, you can. I mean, I mean, you need attention though, you know what I mean? You need attention, you need support. What What form that comes in, you know, that might, that might change, but I mean, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll listen to an interview of like a, you know, a famous musician, someone who's been around for decades, and they're kind of advising, you know, younger artists, hey, get out there, do it yourself, don't worry about the labels and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, that's someone who, you know, maybe they spent the 70s and 80s and 90s with record companies sticking their face in magazines in Japan and Europe, and, and they might be now, they might be established and they could sort of go out and with their own website and whatever and do it on their own. I mean, I'm not knocking what they say, but I mean, as you need, you need, you need some care and love from somewhere, man. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's pretty uh, hard to do it on your own, but I guess uh, for music, uh, musicians, and comics, it's it's a little easier now to, you know, like this podcast. Yeah, you're you know, right, has, man. Uh, you know, a decent following. I, I I do it all on my own, uh, and
1: I'm a massive fan, by the way. I mean, you've got, you've got a fan on the couch today, Earl.
0: Yeah, but uh, a fan, fan's a fan, you know. You know, I've got I'm f- a fan of your music, so it all works out, well, especially you. your newest video.
1: <laughs> yeah, I shot a very, very cool video just on Sunday.
0: And where can uh, people see this video? It's, uh, is it a website you want them to go to or YouTube? Or... You might as well just go to moanred.com because I've got it smacked
1: right there. Just as you scroll down, you can't miss it. Or you could just go to YouTube and uh, search Moan Red Eve. The song is called Eve, E-V-E.
0: And it's, uh, you know, for being a metalhead and, uh, you know, most of my good friends would say I have the shittiest taste in music ever. Uh, no, I won't hear it. You know, uh, I love the song. It's very... Uh, and the video, I don't know if it's because the video it matches the song, which I... Uh, always enjoy more, you know, like in the 80s, the videos didn't really match the song. No, they got out of control with like, you know, dolphins going down Sunset Boulevard. And yeah, stuff like, like uh, I think Doc and, you know, in their video for, uh, was it Breaking the Chains or Just Got Lucky? One of those two, there's helicopters flying around the band. It made no sense. Right. There's no helicopter in the song, uh, you know. But the video starring the lovely and talented Sophie Cooper, Who's been a guest on this show? Absolutely. Uh, was, she was something else, man. So we've been chatting about
1: it. It's a bit like this podcast, really. We've been, we've been chatting about doing a video for a while. And I have to hand it to her recently. She kind of was following up saying, come on, man, let's get it going. But it all had to wait for the right time and place. And we found, we found this cool uh, store, this cool vintage clothing store to do it in. And that was the final piece in the puzzle. And she just came down and just really rocked it, did a great job. She's a really good performer.
0: Oh, yeah. She's, uh, I've seen her actual acting and like, oh, like she's an actress. She, like. I, yes. So I learned that day big time. You know, it's not like you just got some bimbo 80s vixen. <laughs> right. You know.
1: I mean, like, hey, oh, you know, we could make that video too,
0: but no. Well, I can get you two of them. Uh, <laughs> Tony right. Catane's down, the ultimate video vixen. Uh, and it still looks the same, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, the great Bobby Brown, who, uh, not the singer, the uh, girl in the uh, Cherry Pie video. Who's been on this? Right. Both have been on okay. it, uh, but Bobby was great. But she brought her boyfriend w- with her. I I'm sure it was a little weird for her to get a uh, an email from some dude she didn't know. Probably some. Probably thought it was some creepy guy or something, and so uh, she brought the boyfriend. And I, I couldn't really get into uh, you know the subject matter I wanted to, but you know she was great though. She didn't have to do it, and she did.
1: See, as a see, I've got questions for you, bro. Like I said, I'm a fan. Um, I bet. Yeah, I one thing I've been meaning to ask. You know that picture you like putting up on Facebook of your you're in that kind of yeah. Roman Olympic pose. Which new- one? That's the almost every picture I put up.
0: <laughs> it's oh, that gay one. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I just was wondering what the backstory on that was. Was that for a
0: job application? No, anything? I just wanted to. Uh, I think this is at that time I was a personal trainer. Okay. I want to say it was the early nineties, uh, yeah, which which would explains my grunge like <laughs> straw hairstyle. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I just thought, I just want to take some wacky pictures for promotional purposes for the private training business. Okay. And uh, I then put those, uh, a lot of people don't know this, and i, I it's got to be some archive photo on the internet of it. But I had bus benches all up and down Santa Monica Boulevard that went from West Hollywood to Century City. And it's, I mean, I'm in my prime. I mean, uh, it's said to be like early 20s, much bigger than I am now. I mean, uh-huh. I look like Marky Mark. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't remember that when I took the picture, I guess I had like a, you know, I got a big dick. So <laughs> it it looked like I had a, a, you know, boner or something. It was just all daddy. right? And uh, so the finished product goes up on these bus benches and it looks like a, porn ad Uh and it said uh earl skakel tired of health club service because most trainers at health clubs they're actors musicians they're just suckering you into sessions right and uh and like an idiot i put my home phone number wow because i didn't I, i mean cell phones were around back then but uh I, I didn't have one. And so I would get calls all hours of the night, mainly from gay dudes. Uh, are you the guy in the uh, uh, picture on the billboard? I'm like, yeah. It's like, do you do massage too? I'm like, what? Well, you you were asking for it. You opened the gates. Yeah. I mean, looking back now, I mean, I'm naive still to this day to a, de- to a degree. And then one time a girl called me and I could tell she was hot. You could just tell over the phone. <laughs> And she's like, do you do massage? I'm like, yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I go over to the Century Plaza, which might not even be there anymore. Uh, And she was beautiful. Like, you know, just a beautiful, like, late 30s, older woman. And clearly she wanted to bone. But looking back then, I was, like, so naive. I massaged her for two hours. She fell asleep, and I just left. I didn't even get paid but like she came out like in a thong i mean and like she kept like you know like like when she was on her stomach like spreading her legs a little bit and like you know i can tell she i mean looking back now i'm like oh she wanted to fuck but uh you know so you came out the winner though because
1: you were a gentleman
0: i did and that's that harms me in this uh cutthroat cutthroat you know jungle jungle of sexual deviance <laughs> i'm around every night but uh you know when in rome quite quite but the funniest thing about that billboard is the whole point of the story was one day my dad's friend my parents had lived in florida okay. my parents moved to florida uh-huh so my dad's friend was out here on vacation and he stopped in an intersection <laughs> in Century City, and right in front of one of my bus bench ads, and he calls my dad and he goes, Jim, you have a son named Earl, right? Yeah, why? Uh, I'm looking at his boner picture right now. <laughs> right. And my dad was like, What the fuck are you doing out there? I'm like, trying to make a buck, dad. You know what I mean? Again, so, again, small world. Well, I'm from the KISS school of uh, marketing. Uh, just, uh, you, you know. And as a, as a, a musician, I I don't know how you feel about it, but like controversy sells. Yeah, it does to a degree. It does. Yeah,
1: that's a you know that's a that's a tricky one. Approach with caution. It kind of reminds me like a re, it's like um before I left London, I moved here in two thousand five, but that was a time when uh, like the Libertines. You ever you ever check them out? the libertines Uh, i I did a little too deep for me a little too deep (laughs) i like that but then them and that kind of scene was going on i was quite frustrated with it really i I felt that was very much about you know the bad boy image and trying to stir up the controversy sort of versus you know the music but yeah i mean it, it works it works for them it does work for people you know what i mean
0: not in every case i mean like uh I think, uh, like, in Kiss's uh, case, it almost hurts them, you know, with all the fucking coffins and Kiss condoms and Kiss coffee houses and Kiss, you know, bed sheets and bedpans and Kiss toilets. And, I mean, I, I, everything I've just named is a real product. Right, yeah. And I think in Gene's mind, it's like, hey, it keeps the name out there. Right. But I'd rather see a, a new album with, like, I don't know, some effort put behind it. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably in the minority there. How many times have you seen KISS? I've seen KISS in concert probably, not that many, uh, probably 12 times. Right. You know, the, the first time I saw them was uh, 1991 at the Long Beach Arena. It was it was Slaughter, Winger, and KISS. Nice. So, and that was my first rock concert. Uh, my first concert was Springsteen. At the Coliseum in the early eighties, which was unbelievable
1: so and were you were you around like a, sort of the eighties on the strip, or was that little before? No, I was in the middle of it I mean
0: okay, uh like I grew up in Bel Air, so most of the like house parties I would go to would be in Hollywood, so Friday and Saturday night, I would drive through the madness, and it was like it's uh it's, an, it's just an era you, you'll never, um, it's hard to explain to people. Like, you'll never see it again. Right. And just because uh, it's, it, we, there was no internet back then. So, like, if, you know, there's no, like, you know, when this podcast is up tomorrow, I'm send out a tweet, put it on Facebook, uh, you know, Instagram, you know. But back then, if you were a band, you had to hit the pavement. Right. And literally put posters on uh light poles and then, you know, another band would come by five minutes later and put their poster over your poster. And then the first band would come over and you know, it was crazy. It was really guerrilla marketing at its finest. Well, right, sure, got the blood got the blood going, you know what I mean? Yeah. Got I mean you couldn't there was no uh message boards you could say, Hey, I'm playing at the Viper Room tonight. Uh, so it's just you had every band in the city uh, roaming the pavement, and then you had the girls because they knew that that's where the bands were. And, and just in the mid eighties, the girls looked better than the dudes. Uh, but then some of the dudes looked better than the girls. I mean, you know, you look at Poison's first album cover; you think it's four chicks, which I think is
1: a decent out. Al- you are talking about look what the cat drank? Yeah. in? yeah, I think there are some good ones on that.
0: Well, they sold out, you know. I I mean like CC DeVille is a classically trained guitar player like sure yeah he can he can rip but he doesn't get the credit because you know he platinum blonde hair the pink guitars the you know the outfits that look like they were stolen from you know B Arthur's you know wardrobe uh-huh. instead of the Golden Girls <laughs> you, you know did you ever see a, a Guns N' Roses in those early days? I didn't see them in the early days. I saw them uh, about 92 uh, at the Forum. Oh, that was a prime time, though. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, probably one of the best concerts I've ever seen to this day, even though I'm not like a huge fan of theirs. Right. I'm not a hater. I just, you know, I don't know. I I like their hits. Uh, I I mean, uh, but it was uh, like a two and a half hour uh, show. Uh, We snuck in for free, which made it even better. And, uh, you know, I still remember, wow, this is like, this is a life changing concert. They were just, they were still, I wouldn't say they were hungry because they were making some pretty good, uh, this was on the usual illusion tour. So, uh, I, I don't think they were necessarily hungry anymore, but they were still enjoying being together to a degree. The energy was still there. Yeah, I mean, there was no Adler on drums. This is with Matt Soren. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, they had added, I think, the keyboard, uh, Dizzy Reed, and, uh, I don't know, some guy on Maracas. I don't know. <laughs> you got to get the Maracas in. Yeah. Well, that's what they have now. Yeah. Like, they have two keyboard players, and there's no fucking keyboards in most Guns N' Roses songs that I know of, are there? I mean, you're the musician. You tell me. I mean, a few of the ballads, like, you know. November Rain. Right. Which I love. I love the forty two minute version they do in concert. <laughs> it's
1: something that bands do tend to do They start augmenting themselves, you know a couple of drummers, a couple of keyboards.
0: I don't think it, to me, but I'm just a fan. You probably approach it from like a sonic critique.
1: oh no no, I, no I mean hey man I want something I want something raw too. you know what I mean something cool
0: that's why I like one of my favorite bands, and it's just a crime. they're not bigger uh but I don't know if they even care at this point. It's Bowling for Soup. They are based uh, out of Austin, and they're kind of like a... They remind me of like a slightly more younger... or definitely younger, uh, cynical version of Cheap Trick. Like, oh, okay. They, I'll, I'll have to look them up. I mean, I know the name, but not the sound. Um, uh, They kind of do not parody songs, but just fun, silly songs and... uh uh you know, they they were pretty big in the late 90s, they had a couple of hits. Uh, but, like, I saw them recently play the Roxy. They don't play L.A. a lot. And uh, it was amazing. Everyone in that room knew the songs. Like, they would, okay. the crowd would sing along with the band. And then they did a new song. And the singer was like, hey, this is uh, new material. So if you got to take a shit or a piss, this would be a good time to do it. Like, I, I like that, like... Listen, I've been to a lot of... I'm sure he's like... I've been to a lot of shows before. As soon as new material hits, I'm getting a beer. Right. Yeah, he's keeping it real. Yeah, I like that uh, kind of
1: anti-humor. For some reason, when you said that name, Bare Naked Ladies, popped into my head. Maybe it's just because they both begin with Bs. Is there any correlation between...
0: I don't think so. I Uh, mean, I know they were... uh, They came along... uh, I'm trying to think. Who would they be? uh, Like Lit remember lit oh yeah uh, they were like in that uh maybe a less serious version of lit you know very poppy uh songs but they, they in their case they had a uh, like uh, 80s metal uh, you could tell they all grew up with poison and, and right. rat and so they had uh little 80s metal tributes in each song but i mean it sounds like i mean
1: i know what you mean like be nice if they were bigger, but I mean, it sounds like they have a cool thing going on. they got a, a nice fan base that really, yeah, really loves them,
0: but yeah. I mean, I guess it just
1: it's
0: like, wow, you guys are so good and you treat the fans good, and you know, it's just, uh, of course, you never know why a band's not as big as the you know. I look at Cheap Trick, it's like, wow, you guys should be playing stadiums instead, you're like the perpetual opener, right? Opener for life. Yeah, I mean, they open, I think I've seen them open up probably. Thirty shows, like for uh, for Aerosmith, or I think for Kiss, and it's like, wow, man, you guys are good.
1: It's a crazy one. I mean, this is I've been thinking about you know the comedy world too. The same thing, like who who gets where. I mean, I guess one doesn't want to think about it too much because you tie your head in knots,
0: really. Oh, it'll do the best, and I'm sure music is the same. It'll drive you mad, like, right? When you see, uh, I told someone yesterday. Fun, the funniest comics I know, you'll you'll probably never hear of. I was thinking
1: of that, like my favorite comedians. Because I've definitely I definitely there's definitely a few I love who who are who are kind of rare birds. Brian Holtzman's one of them.
0: Yeah, I mean he's like he's the perfect example of uh, he's like the bowling for soup of comics. It's like, why aren't you bigger? <laughs> you know? Why do you just go up at the end of the night? Uh but that's when he he wants that spot. Like I don't I mean I don't want to speak for him, but I almost get the feeling he doesn't care when he goes up. Yeah, I mean, he's something else, man. Like he um I've just I've just
1: nearly, you know, split my sides laughing to Holtzman in that in that empty main <laughs> main room. And he's, I and he's the one guy who's also he's had me like questioning myself, like laughing uncomfortably because I'm really not sure if I should laugh about what he's talking about, you know. He really is He's very edgy, so I understand, you know, kind of hot, very hot to handle. But, um, but I mean, it, it'd be cool to see him doing more.
0: Well, I think, uh, I think in the comedy world, you know, and, and maybe once again, it's different in the music world. Uh, managers, agents, uh, they want someone who already has stuff going on. They don't want to do a lot of work. To, oh, yeah. They don't want to create a comic. They want the comic to. Any meeting I take, the few that I've taken, <laughs> uh, the first thing out of their mind is what do you got going on? Like, not what can we help get you going on? There you go. Yeah. Is, for... is it the same in the music world? Oh, I think so. So I think
1: that's one of the. I think that's one of the roads. You know, everyone looking for a moving train. So the challenge is to try and get your train moving. You know what I mean.
0: But I mean, I just think, like, why not, like, if I was a manager and if I saw someone funny or a musician or a mm-hmm. group, you know, let's get something going, girl or guy, uh, you know, instead of, you know, oh, you don't have anything going on. Well, I'd literally someone from a huge agency say, hey, you're great, all that stuff. Call me when you have something. i say, like, well, why don't you help me get something? Yeah, what would that something be? Like, you, you already have something. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, they, uh, it's like, I felt like telling the guy, why don't you, you could literally get me on Comedy Central at midnight with one phone call. Yeah. Maybe two. I mean, I don't know exactly how that works, but if someone from this agency calls Comedy Central, I'm on that show tomorrow. What? Just do that. Make one phone call. And then I'll get other stuff that you can say, Hey, I got him this sign with me or whatever. So I'm not sure, man. I'm not either
1: <laughs> we can we can both Wow, we've we've progressed that issue i don't know dude. I don't think we have i mean it really is uh,
0: uh you know by the way the uh zeppelin uh, lawsuit uh was a, uh, the band spirit and uh yeah the song Taurus the Taurus had a instrumental that uh they say uh zeppelin uh, let's just say lifted and uh yeah, so that's it.
1: Talking to management, though, by the way, let Zeppelin reference. I mean, that you know, Zeppelin, one of the greatest managers of all time. You know what I mean? I mean oh some, yeah, some Peter like, Pete, Peter Grant. Right. I mean, sometimes you just need those miraculous situations, like you have here. You have like one of the best bands ever, and they couple that with one of the best managers. So there was that. There was that balance. You know what I mean? But it's hard. To, it's hard to put things like that together.
0: But what I didn't like in the uh, the HBO show Vinyl, which. Uh... I don't know when you look at the people who were associated with that—Martin you know, Scorsese, Mick Jagger. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just the guy they had playing Peter, like he was a huge dude, like oh, a he pro was, wrestler. Like he was a
1: mighty, a mighty presence, a huge guy. Yeah.
0: It was like Prince's first bodyguard. I think his name was Chick. Chick something. Where it was like if you ever saw Prince in the Revolution days and you saw a massive bearded dude, right? Uh, it was. You know, that's what Peter looked like as well. And it's like the guy they had playing him on the HBO show was like not really uh, intimidating enough, in my okay. opinion. But I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen him that, on that series. Uh, I think they just canceled it, which is uh, too bad. But, uh, do you, you know, just... Do you mean that too bad in a sarcastic
1: way? Or was that...
0: A... No, I love the 70s. Even though I'm an 80s uh, freaker rocker, uh, I certainly... Got a lot of uh, love for the '70s music, you know. I'm a big Village People fan. Right. No, I'm I I, you know, you take away their image. Hey, great band, well, you know. And, you know, great uh, pop, just pure cheese. Can you, uh, can you get down with some Sylvester? Yeah, absolutely. I love the '70s. Yeah. Chic. We I know we talked about Tony Thompson earlier. Chic are uh, incredible. But I think I think, and it's it's a
1: hard one to say. I love the bass best bass maybe quite possibly the best bass player ever bernard edwards and there are many greats
0: oh my god john entwistle i mean it's like i don't think you know actually
1: have you seen Jocko? the documentary on jaco pastorius mm-hmm. you gotta check that out on netflix
0: it's oscar pastorius the guy with the jaco no, oh i thought you meant Jocko. the guy who killed his wife no
1: no no certainly certainly not that dude but just as i said it's see it's so hard to talk about like the best ever because just as i said best ever bass player you know, an invisible hand just smacked my head, and I remembered Jocko. You can't—I mean, they're all great, man. You can't—it's not a competition. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean the only best ever things that really get under my skin is like, you know, Rolling Stone when they did the hundred best guitar players of all time. And they had like Eddie Van Halen like seventy. I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what?
1: Sometimes when yeah, I've, I've I've read things like that with magazines of like that. I think sometimes there's all kind of other forces going on. But it's like fashion forces and whatnot.
0: I don't know. It's it's a weird one. But they had Kurt Cobain at like twentieth, and nothing against him, but you put him and Eddie Van Halen in a room. So okay, you play this. All right, you match that. Uh, it'd be a real short session. It, it would be, but but see again, not that it's all about technical playing,
1: right? Yeah, this is why it's hard. It's hard to get into comparisons with music. I mean, it's like, you know, what I mean, does it move you? You know, does it move you? Is it is it soulful? I mean, I, th- I I'm a huge Kirk Cobain fan, but I, I totally hear your point. I love Van Halen too. You know?
0: But I, oh, Kurt Cobain was great. But I just like, you know, and it's it's all subjective. I can't say that the guy who made the list is wrong. It's his opinion, but it's like you, you lose a lot of credibility when you're saying there's 77 other guitar players better than Eddie Van Halen. You, you, yeah, no, yeah, uh, like uh, and they, you leave. Uh, uh, the thing I don't like about those lists is that they leave genres of music off that that writer might not like. Like, I'm not a big blues guy. Okay. But I will say Stevie Ray Vaughan is one of the greatest guitar oh, players ever. Stevie. Stevie. I'll say it again. Stevie. I mean, I don't like the, the genre, but I, I'm like, he's like.
1: Dude. Man, that cat could wear. I, I can't believe. There are so many artists I'd love to. There are so many lucky people walking around this earth who like did see Stevie Ray Vaughan live or did see Jimi Hendrix live, I'd love to have seen these people, you know?
0: Oh, I would love to see Hendrix play with all the technological advances like now. I mean, can you imagine him playing with, like, say the same rig Steve Stevens from Billy Idol, you know, gets all the foot pedals and the the fucking whammy bars and, you know, it's like... I can't imagine, you know, Babe Ruth were able to play now. Like, with, well, he probably wouldn't have exercised, but, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, you know, I know what you mean. You know, it's it's like, of course, you'll never be able to, like, I would love to take players from different, like, imagine John Bonham playing with the drum kits they could make for him now. Yeah. You know, like, or take, say, Neil Pert and put him back in the 50s where, you know, you'd have to play with a five-piece kit, Right. You know, I, I'm sure he could do it, but like, big, you know. Big Bonham fan. I'm oh, st- he was great. I'm still
1: picturing, sorry, I'm still stuck on Kurt Cobain versus Eddie Van Halen. I was just thinking if you did put those two together and ask Kurt to play something, he'd probably like just take his guitar off and throw it in a... No
0: fish tank or something. Oh uh, uh, yeah. That, that would be his answer. You know. Yeah, well yeah. Uh and then I think they had Jerry Garcia at like thirteen. It's like, come on, man. I think what those lists
1: can't what is nice about those lists, what they can do is just turn you on to new I mean, I think that's one positive thing if you're reading them and you you hear about some guitar player you never heard heard before. Yeah,
0: like uh you I've, know I've, Eric
1: Johnson or Yeah I've read i I've put some of those things down once and then gone and looked up a player and discovered some new some new music.
0: You know, I like listening to. Uh, I I have a weird musical taste. I, I love the Village People. I like Missing Persons, <laughs> right. Kiss. Uh, you know all you know the Tubes.
1: The Tubes. Oh man, the Tubes. Tubes underrated. Hey.
0: Yeah, I don't. You know, I think they. Uh, you know, She's a Beauty was such a hit for them, that it took them away from what, you you know. Made them the band, you know. They were like a bowling for soup of punk, like they had an underground fan base. And then she's a beauty was such a massive hit. I think it kind of changed the way they did things.
1: One of my favorite lyrics. There are just certain lyrical snippets here and there which I just, I just really love. But one of the lines from White Punks on Dope. What's that line? I think hang myself if I get enough rope. Yeah. I think that's good. That is
0: one of my favorite lyrics of all time. Well, I like the suicide. The keyboard player did. He did. Uh, I mean, the great Vince Wellnick. Uh, right. You know who left the Tubes and then went to the Grateful Dead. Uh, bad uh, long-term career prospects if you're a keyboard player in the Dead. But they, like three of them died. Right. Uh, he did the Harry Carey with the Asian sword. You know, like he stabbed himself and gutted himself basically i've never heard of that no he was great but he suffered uh from uh, horrible depression issues and you know uh, that's why it's hard to watch the tubes now because he was such a prominent figure for them but uh tube's still touring i think they're uh playing la in july i'd like to check that out just keeping rocking yeah, I mean, I saw Fee Weber once at the gym. Fee what a name? I know the great. Uh, I don't think that's his real name. Vern, Bur- Vince, Vince something. I think is his real name. Uh, and uh, he got on the elliptical right next to me, and uh, I knew who he was instantly because he still looks the same. Right, you know, but for the most part, a couple more wrinkles, but fuck, we all age. I mean, uh, he's doing good if he still looks the same. I mean, they, they yeah, they've been rocking a long time. It's early seventies, so yeah. Uh, like, oh, man, I'm a big fan. I wish you guys never broke up. And he looks at me and goes, we didn't. <laughs> My bad. Awkward silence.
1: Are you a, are you a, like, that got me thinking about Rick James. Are you a Rick James man?
0: Uh, this goes back to, like, the Stevie Ray Vaughan thing. I'm not, like, a huge, I like his couple of hits. Okay. Super freak, uh, you know, but I, I appreciate his talent. Talking about the Tubes lyric genius has got
1: me thinking about Rick James. Like that super freak tune. There are a few lyrics in that which are all my all time
0: favorites as well. I mean, it was just the perfect song it, for the perfect era. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, all right. I'm just going on your official website here. Just oh. To, you know, I don't want, you know, whenever I have a guest on and they see me on the iPad or the phone, I don't want them to think I'm not listening i just uh and that's moanred.com right that's that's it m-o-a-n-r-e-d.com and you've got the uh, eve uh, video up uh indeed we do so don't go on youtube just go to moanred.com and uh there's all kinds of goodies here uh the, you, itunes soundcloud bandcamp amazon spotify yeah that's for, that's for the album I, that's the album that eve is from yes uh, people it, can tell people can tell yeah, let's out. get into that enough about Stevie Ray Vaughan and <laughs> right. CeCe DeVille's uh shenanigans uh what, what so what uh when's your next show um so so I'm in a very cool band a very cool band
1: called Space Hurricane
0: so you're double dipping
1: I am double dipping I've been dipping all over the place tell me about it. I'm a dipper yeah but
0: uh, seeing the pool, <laughs> yeah. cesspool.
1: <'Cause that's> <laughs> yeah, right. See you in hell. I mean, you can't pick two scummier businesses <laughs> in uh,
0: the world of comedy and music.
1: It, it's, yeah, it really is. Um, but yeah, we've been rocking really hard Space Hurricane and and people should definitely please do check out my site. Check out the
0: album. And What kind of music is it?
1: Rock and roll Space Hurricane.
0: But have you had to uh, compare to a band?
1: Uh, one should have all this ready to go, shouldn't one?
0: No, no, like, you know, my I, a band I'm obsessed with, once again, should have been bigger. It was a boy band in the mid-2000s. Uh-huh. They were called the Click Five. Never heard of them. And, you know, I think the perfect that that's a problem. Uh, comparison would be they were a younger version of the Cars. Okay, I mean, and they were from Boston, and uh, Elliot Easton, the guitar player from the Cars, ha- uh, helped produce their album. Uh, but they could like like they were like the, a boy band that could play their own instruments, and they were good, like right. And they were really just like the Cars. They wore uh, matching suits. They were like the Beatles meets the Cars. So in that comparison, who would you say? Space Hurricane. Uh,
1: we are a bit of a mishmash, but I mean, I think sometimes I've been reminded of a bit of MC5 here. Sometimes I've been reminded of a bit of Pink Floyd there. Um, we're definitely rocking and raw, but we can stretch it out a bit, you know, get a bit funky, take the music a few different places. And is it instrumental? Is it? Oh, no, I'm, I'm the singer. I'm the singer and uh, guitar player. And there's another guitar player in the rhythm section. But yeah, folks should also get over to SpaceHurricane.com. We have four beautiful songs there. And iTunes available, all that good stuff. Yeah, you'll find it there. But we've been rocking pretty hard the last few months. I think July is going to be a quiet one for us, but we'll be
0: back later in the summer. Is it hard when you're, uh, you know, I mean, I know on the Sunset Strip anyway, it's pay to play. Yeah, we've been doing all right. We've been uh, camped out in downtown
1: Los Angeles quite a bit recently. There's a, but there's quite a lot uh, more going on there these days
0: there is uh I've done a few comedy shows down there that were like in the weirdest venues like in uh in the roughest parts of town, but they're like in a art gallery uh uh-huh. where they lock the doors, but they let people in for the show and then they lock the doors because the neighborhood is so rough and it's packed right yeah the people the people just come out from somewhere, yeah, I mean I went to one the other night where I thought I was on the set of the wire uh uh, you know <laughs> i was looking for bubbles selling uh, merchandise but uh is that same in music like a lot of like not underground but like weird i i think bands are, are almost like comics where they're looking for alternative venues yeah
1: i've done more of that kind of stuff with my when i was when i was performing solo like pre hurricane i'd end up in an
0: art gallery or two and that's not hurricane the 80s metal band uh, uh, no sorry who i was lucky enough to induct into the uh rainbow uh, hall of fame thank you very much oh that would have been a cool night the rainbow has a hall of fame they have like a uh yeah i guess they do uh you know if you go to the rainbow you'll see um you know like slash donated a guitar uh-huh. and uh lemmy a bass and uh her it's like basically their hall of fame i was in ecstasy in uh
1: the rainbow a few months ago man i went there i think it was a friday night but it was early and i just went into like the back room where the dj is dj will it wasn't will Big, though but, was, but you know who i'm talking about i do know he, i i and i enjoyed the episode when he was here but just uh it'd been a long time since i've been in a club listening to rock and roll records on a,
0: a system and i was just having a great time I well th- i mean the rainbow is like the last bastion of 80s uh You know, I tell people, uh, it's the only place where you can literally be sitting next to Axl Rose on your right, and then to your left, an Axl Rose impersonator. Right. And, you know, they play, like, you're eating a five-course meal. Food's, you know, it's, like, basically, my opinion, run by, uh, you know, uh, Italians who you shouldn't mess with. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, the food is, like, five-star. I mean, you can't, I mean it's good nosh good nose bag yeah yeah i mean the pizza is like uh probably the best pizza in the city it's italian i mean it's legit italian uh the burger is amazing uh the the soup is legendary uh salads are great i mean the lettuce is actually fresh you know uh but you can eat that type of high quality meal listening to you know tricksters give it to me good what more what more do you want earplugs
1: uh which uh what's your recommendation for restaurants by the way on on the main
0: drag here <laughs> i mean if you're on sunset uh in west hollywood there's uh, uh i like to go to my uh full disclosure i know glenn the owner uh i always pay for every meal so it's not like he's this is an advertisement uh sushi ah uh great sushi uh, sunset plaza uh, if you eat, How about this way, Santa Monica Boulevard? Uh, I mean, uh, well, what's just, the food like in... Uh, uh, West Hollywood's great food. There's uh, Pump, the uh, restaurant, which is, uh, of course, made famous on the show Vanderpump Rules. Okay. Uh, Sir Lounge, which is owned by the same uh, owner as Pump. Uh, it's uh, fine dining. Um, I mean, West Hollywood is... Uh, they're very fickle with the, their restaurants. If, if it's not good, it closes down. I mean, I I can't tell you in the 15 years I've lived here, in West Hollywood uh, specifically, I've seen probably in a two-mile radius, I don't want to get too uh, local for out-of-state listeners, but from, say, Crescent Heights to uh, San Vicente on Santa Monica, it's about a two-mile stretch, I've seen literally 100 restaurants close. Wow. Because you got like, you know, you just, if it's not good, people won't come here and and the rent is high around here. So uh, I know the big restaurant right now is uh, Steak Shack, Shake Shack or something like that. It's a big New York uh, and people are flocking to it because it's only, they're not out here. Right. It it was on the side of the old Kookaroo. Okay. Uh, So that's uh, apparently their burgers are like, amazing uh and then there's uh, five guys is, uh, which is appropriately named for this neighborhood <laughs> did i hear you mention
1: on a former podcast episode
0: that something to do with Prince
1: recorded around
0: here Prince recorded on the end of this street uh i live on the street larrabee uh in west hollywood separate the men from the boys with a crowbar <laughs> um and uh I mean, this is, the the, and I live on the, you know, there's two blocks of Larrabee. There's the 900 block, there's the 800 block. Uh, I live on the 800 block, of course, and uh, it's it's like the gay cruising street. Like, after the nightclubs close, it's like an ant farm of horny gay guys just looking for dong. And at the end of the street is a uh, gay nightclub called Flaming Saddles. It used to be called Club Eleven, forgot what it was before Eleven. But in the '80s, late '70s, it was Larrabee Sound Studios. Okay, and I believe that is where Prince did. I don't know about all, but a lot of uh, Purple Rain. I mean, that makes that makes it a legendary spot. Yeah, and Ozzy Osbourne uh, did. I believe he did uh, Ultimate Sin there, which is uh, or and Bar- maybe Bar- no. I think Park of the Moon was done in England uh but uh, and they still have the uh, parking lot sign there they left a little bit of history and uh so that's uh it's a pretty historical uh and they haven't they've remodeled the inside of it many times but it's still the exterior is just kind of a dirty brick You know, you could tell, you could see Ozzy in there, you could see Prince. Right, you could tell some things went down. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine Ozzy probably not realizing it's a gay neighborhood, you know, walking around, smoking or whatever, going, uh, you know, what his, I'm sure he had some interesting takes on the, uh, you know, neighborhood. Right on. Uh, Ozzy man, what a legend. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, you know, that's the Ozzy I want to remember, the. Ultimate Sin, Bark at the Moon era, not, not the one MTV made famous with the Osbournes, where he could barely operate a fucking remote control clicker. <laughs> I mean, you know they really, I mean, they made Ozzy, but they ruined him. Like, yeah, I feel you, man. You know, just that's why I don't like. That's the only bad thing I think about being a fan of the '80s is that, man, it's tough to see those guys and girls get old. You know. Yeah, well, it's been tough recently. You talk about... Yeah, I mean, laws. David Bowie, uh, you, you know, uh, all these great artists just dropping like flies. Uh, but in some ways, it's not really that surprising. It's like, Jesus Christ, if you're in the 70s and 80s, you, the, the amount of blow you did must have been uncalculable. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it's really like incomprehensible how much drugs and and fucking and sucking and i mean you know bowie was like knee deep uh, (laughs) i mean who knows i mean i'm amazed he lived this long it's like there is yeah there is looking at it from that
1: perspective we're lucky we're lucky they were around for as long as they were
0: i think you have to look at it from this perspective that perspective because it's just like you know it's like i'll throw in a little pro wrestling you know it's like when you see a pro wrestler die it's like i can't believe they made it this long pro wrestler from the 80s right 70s 80s uh it's like you know i mean what what other uh, you know see prince i mean like, who knows what that guy uh did uh in the early 80s you know i mean doing a couple bumps back then I'm, I'm, i don't know what he was into but like that was an era where you did a couple bumps it was like drinking coffee right you know literally like oh get back in the game you know so i mean it's like i can only imagine what went on at Larrabee sound studios have you ever i mean with such a love of music that you have have you
1: ever like picked up a guitar anywhere along the the road
0: well i've told this story a few times uh i am friends i'm not name dropping but it's just in the vein of your question Uh uh-huh I'm friends with Brent Fitz who is the was the drummer for Slash. Oh, but now that Slash is uh, you know, gotten back together with his mates, Brent has moved on to be the drummer in Whitford Holmes, which is the band uh, the guitar player from Aerosmith, Brad Whitford and uh, Derek yeah. Holmes, I think okay. from Ted Nugent. Uh they had a band uh, in the early 80s, Whitford Homes. You know, Aerosmith in the early 80s had like some, uh, you know, uh, gaps in performing. <laughs> so uh, they've reformed and are now opening up for Whitesnake. And uh, long story short is Brent used to work at Johnny Guitars on Sunset, which is no longer, I think it's an Italian restaurant now. But uh, I would go in there and visit him. You know, and this is like this gives anyone hope. Like Brent was a broke musician from Winnipeg, uh, came out here. You know, uh, you know, I used to go see him play Sunday nights in Eagle Rock doing covers in front of literally four people. We would go to Denny's every time after, and he, he was broke. I mean, you can't get any broker than Brent was. Okay, you know, uh, just struggling. The just struggling, and uh, but he's a great drummer. So I knew it was just a matter of time. And then uh, got some, you know, decent gigs like drumming for Vince Neal and, uh, you know, other uh, avenues uh, of that ilk. And then, so he once said, dude, I'm going to teach you how to play the guitar. And uh, he tried for like two hours. And uh, just, he's like, dude, stick to comedy.
1: I just can't. Because uh I, can, I can picture he's a guy who who heads out to Johnny guitars or guitar center one day and just comes back with like the Marshall stack. And it's like, I'm going to do this. I just wondered if that ever happened.
0: It's mentally for me. I can't picture how you guys make the sounds with the guitar. Like, you know, uh, I, I just, it's, it's a, I think if someone could ever get that block out of my head, right. You have
1: got to start real slow, man. You got to get some scales going. It's not, it's not that exciting but a few scales get those fingers moving.
0: Yeah, like I could I could I could like mimic the motion, right? But I just I don't uh it's just something like I don't know how bending the string makes that sound. Like it, it sounds probably incredibly gay to tell a legit musician like you. It's I would have to go on to almost like a Hypnotic therapy session. (laughs) You are so West Hollywood, aren't you? (laughs) You, Just,
1: just get yourself a little acoustic, man. Stick it in the corner and just pick it
0: up every now and then. But I like it's like I could put it in my hand. Uh You could put my I don't I can't read music, so I don't know. Like you know, I know one of my favorite Rat songs is a song called Lay It Down, and the big thing is the opening riff is in drop D tuning. I don't know what that means. Well,
1: so the standard tuning is E. So you just take it down a tone. They just drop it down a tone. But how do you do that? Turn the tu- tuning pegs. On oh, the yeah. Well, there you go.
0: But yeah. like once you're in drop D tuning, then you have to get the guitar to another chord uh like i just it's just so uh,
1: maybe you do need a therapist about it <laughs> you sound you sound you sound a little nervous about this
0: but man. there's just i think it's a very like i think for the style of music that i like you know the 80s butt rock the right the cheese uh-huh like uh i see van halen doing eruption i'm like wow that's which probably literally is so simple to him uh granted he's been doing it for 40 years but it's just like Van Halen one got to just just got to just have a shout out to Van Halen one love that record oh yeah it's like uh I don't think the bass uh and the drums get enough credit To Um, keep up with Eddie Van
1: Halen. Yeah, sure. Great sound, too. That is definitely a production reference. Great sounding record.
0: Uh, And you must give credit for the production on that album to the great Ted Templeman. There you go. Uh, You know, uh, because they need him now more than ever. I mean, they got David Lee Roth in spoken word instead of singing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like fucking...
1: Have you you ever run into... I've seen the Roth a few times at the store. Have you ever had any encounters at the store with David Lee?
0: No, I, I had a, an encounter with him uh, at a Santa Anita racetrack. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a weird guy. I used to go to the racetrack with caddies from the country club I was playing golf at. Now, caddies are like one step below musicians and comics in terms of their scumminess. Okay. They just they drink all day. They gamble. Uh, and I became, you know... A country club life is a very, uh, you know, the people who are members of country clubs are just like the worst, you know, racist, you know, business guys, you know, who, you know, still have the N word as a daily part of their vocabulary. I mean, it's
1: it's probably not a scene where fresh new winds of change are
0: blowing through every day. Yeah. I mean, it's old school. uh, You know, now it might be different. I'm sure like the tech, you know, company. uh, executives are in there and it's a new era. But when I was up there, it was like, you know, oil guys and, you know, just guys who grew up when slavery was like an option. Uh, so, I, but I, so I got to, ha- I started hanging out with the caddies because I thought oh, these guys are normal to me. So we go to the racetrack and one time I would go with this real scummy guy, Johnny sender, who's uh, no longer with us. Uh, just had too many demons and uh but he was a cool guy and uh you know we're walking in the infield of San Anita and he lights up a joint and I I've never done anything so I just kept walking and I hear out of the corner of my ear yeah man you guys got the right idea <laughs> and I turn around it was David Lee Raw dressed like anthony hopkins at the end of silence of the lambs oh right where he's gonna have a date for lunch yeah eat, eat the doctor and uh him and johnny went off to smoke weed but i was like wow that was david lee roth man i i saw him in uh Connie's. is it Connie's? yeah on the uh, uh the burger place by the store
1: yeah and he was very animated and, and willing to uh you could see he wanted to engage you know he was I actually froze up a bit. I got a bit starstruck. I don't
0: know why I didn't say anything. Well, he was, uh, you know, I think he's like a normal dude. I mean, normal, uh, you know, he grew up working class parents. I mean, he grew up with money. I mean, you know, his dad was a very famous dentist in uh, Pasadena. And if you ever watch the Pretty Woman video, you know, the cover of the Roy Orbison song. Yeah. It's done in David Lee Ross' parents' house. Oh. Uh, and, uh, but I mean, I think he grew up in a semi-normal, uh, you know, household. So he's, even though he's a very rich rock star. and That helps, man. Yeah, I mean, I think he's incredibly successful, uh, but, he, but he's still like, he wants to be one of the fans. Right. Right like i know when van halen went on the road with cool and the gang i think certain people in van halen were like uh, that's not our fan base man they aren't going to set us up like to you know like the opening comic you know that you know if you're the headliner you want uh an opening comic to be funny but not so funny you know that you're going to have trouble following them uh and david lee ross was like i want them to be our opening act for this leg of the run and they were like all right, you want him, you pay for him. And he paid for Cool the Gang to be the opening act every night. So I thought that, you know, he does stuff like that where he's like, oh, you don't hear about, you know, you hear about the wackiness of some of his, uh, you know, downtimes in the late 90s. And, you know, you don't hear about stuff like that. So that always made me a fan of his. And Cool the Gang killed it. Great band. Probably. <laughs> <clears throat> the best opening act I've ever seen in terms of response from the audience. And they're down to like three original guys. I mean, you know, I there's 11 members in cool in the gang. There's never been that many black people at a Ben Halen show ever. Uh, but they, I mean, you forget how many hits they had. They had a ton. I saw cool and the gang, mid nineties, London. That was a good show. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's they're more than just celebration, celebration and Johanna. You know, it's like, uh, like oh, I didn't know they sang that song too. And oh wow, it, it's like reminded me of the time I saw Grand Funk Railroad, which is another band where you know you know them from. We're an American band, okay. But then there was like all these other songs, like oh, I didn't know that that was their song. So, uh, I enjoyed Diamond Dave
1: are you digging any like uh any new bands because you i'm always looking for So, could you recommend
0: anything well a new band to me is weezer so i don't <laughs> i don't think you really want uh no i'm being completely serious no um, i think i mean I think that's, that's cool i can dig that man i mean i'm very much a creature of habit i'm just going on spacehurricane.com as well oh please do uh, so go on moanred.com spacehurricane.com just to uh Get some uh, info on uh, Moan Red. Yeah, here to hear some new music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I really uh, like uh, Moan Red. I have not checked out Space Hurricane to be in full disclosure. But I can tell by the band picture. uh, This is either a band picture or an Amber Alert billboard. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) uh, I'll check them out. I mean.
1: There's an EP on the music page. You'll find four tunes and uh yeah, yeah i think you're digging man we have eliza is kind of a signature song i think that one might might be for you
0: yeah yeah i mean a four-piece band and uh <laughs> you know you guys uh all look like you're uh getting uh, a picture done by four different photographers uh <laughs> one guy's looking that way one guy's looking that way the other guy's uh looking at some girl's tits off to the side uh that a cigar in his mouth. Oh, well, hey,
1: you know, Space Hurricane, we are a little,
0: you know, blustery. But you guys look like a band in all seriousness. Like you, uh, it, let me ask you this: uh, You're in two bands. Is it? Uh, I must. Let's just say, let's take Space Hurricane for a second. Uh, do you guys all like the same kind of music? There's a lot of there's a lot of common ground. We,
1: you know, there's a really good chemistry. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, sure, there's like, there's some outlier stuff, which I'd hope there'd be, you know what I mean, to help pull it this way or that way sometimes. But there's an awful lot of common ground. You know, we're all like just good soulful rock and roll. We all like the funky stuff.
0: I mean, is it hard to be in a band like, uh, you know, I know we've talked about Kiss a lot today. Like, you, know, you take Kiss as an example of, you, you know, musically they probably never should have made it. Because they were so uh, different in terms of their musical taste. Like Peter Chris, of course, I'm talking about the classic Kiss. There's been many lineups in Kiss. Uh, Peter Chris was like a jazz influenced drummer. You know, Ace Freely was like a uh, kind of a Jimmy Page, sloppy, you know, let's jam type of guy. And Gene and Paul are just like structured anal. You know, we're going to do this chord here, this chord there. Uh, and let's not deviate. But yet somehow they just. But they found a common ground. They found a sound through all that, you know. So, a, like when you are in space, Hurricane, Moan Red, like do you do you want? I mean, how do you go about finding a common ground with, like, say, you know, someone who you might not have the same musical, um, vibe of? I mean, we. I mean,
1: I, I think there has, there has to be a vibe. There has to be something shared, you know. Basically, some common ground. Um, So yeah, that's probably where it starts. I mean, it is hard though. Generally speaking, you know, I thinking about how long it's taken to get Space Hurricane together. I suppose is kind of the uh, answer to your question. I mean, we're at now. We're probably like a probably like a five year story. Um, There've been people come and go, and you know, it's taken a while to find the right dudes. So yeah definitely it is a challenge to find folks who you can click with
0: now when you say there've been people who've come and gone like is it just uh they want to do different styles or they just say we're you know we're not oh, man there's been i mean there's been how much time do you have do you know what i mean there's been there's a whole a lot <laughs>
1: <laughs> too much time is a
0: commodity in my life we'll be here forever Come we might be.
1: Him. It's like, like that scene in The Shining. Hello, Danny. Come and play with us yeah. forever Yeah. Well, and it's... ever. <laughs> um... Thank you,
0: Scatman <laughs> Crothers. Oh, boy, did he knock it out of the park. Oh, he killed it. So that little bastard Johnny. <laughs> yeah, he did. How that kid didn't become a star, I, I, I don't know what happened to him. But well, you, I don't know. That's the weird thing, though. It's like you see a kid you know we go to why bands certain bands don't make it some some do that don't deserve it the comics the same but like you look at the shining and that kid was fucking great he held his own with jack nicholson oh he he batted those bulls right back to jack and it's like you know i i don't uh know uh what he did after the shining maybe he just grew up to be
1: a perfectly happy well-adjusted person and
0: i doubt that (laughs) i think the kid from over the top was stallone i think the quid quit the business after that movie
1: i think i looked up what the kid from the shining did once i think it said he became like a a university lecturer
0: well they you know there's that actor in the 80s elon minchell smith who was in uh weird science uh classic yeah uh he was in just a lot of good movies and he just quit i mean he was good actor uh you just moved to Texas and became a teacher, mind
1: you the the, the fame the fame in the youth thing is a tough the, the child starting thing is a tough
0: road to walk, man. Especially in music, like you look at look at the band Hanson. I mean, they were fucking good. Like, it's musicians. Like, they could like <laughs> oh they, play. yeah 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 they're fan you know they could play. They came back later on, didn't they? The, half-heartedly the, I think the serious version. I think they were like. Uh, you know we cash in our publishing we're out uh right but i mean like you know it, it seems there aren't many child prodigy musicians like uh, stevie wonder uh, michael jackson although i'm uh you know I, I just can't get into him for his uh personal lifestyle choices but uh
1: there, there's there's a hot there's i don't know if we're going to ta- tackle that hot potato the old you know hey man you know what I love Michael Jackson. Let me just spit it out while I'm trying. I just love Michael Jackson.
0: Oh yeah, I don't like talent-wise, he's maybe the greatest performer of all time. Uh, but uh, and certainly with uh, the reports that came out yesterday of let's just say he liked to catalog interesting items. I't I, I didn't even look at that story, so I'm out of date. What, what was that?: As a cop uh, who, uh, just uh, when they raided Neverland Ranch back in the day. Uh, let's just say, uh, he, uh, liked to, uh, collect, uh, certain genres of pornography and, uh, you know, just leave it at that. I think you can guess to what kind of, uh, uh, you know, fetishes he was into. So it's, it's, I see in a case like that, which is hard, you you know, if it came out that anyone from rat was into, uh you know necrophilia that would just break your heart i couldn't listen to it (laughs) right (laughs) you want to beat your girlfriend up you know i might be able to get past that because she probably had a comment no i'm just kidding just kidding guys i've come close to it's it's
1: it's very difficult it's very the subject i was trying to get onto without getting into individuals sorry it's just no it's all right it's just it is difficult you know do you can you separate the person from the art you know the, these people are people they move us they do all this great stuff and then but i mean you know we all falter
0: it's just very it's just very complicated man it's tough like you know and it's in the news now i mean uh with uh the probably the greatest documentary of all time oj made in america uh 10 hours and it kind of it could have Seem, gone. seemed a little long i see i didn't think it did i mean like, I, I haven't seen it but I grew up in the neighborhood, so like I, uh, you know, like so I got all the references. Like when they said OJ went to this Seven Eleven on San Vicente, I'm like, I've been in that Seven Eleven. OJ went to you know this uh, Whole Foods on Twenty uh, Sixth and San Vicente. I'm like, oh wow, I've been there. So like was I great. was really like it was close to home. Yeah, and OJ, you know. Growing up in Bel Air was my neighbor, and so he would throw me the football every now and then. Not a lot, but, you know, I definitely remember it. He was nice to me. I got no problem with him, but uh, it's, I, you know, you know, I just can't get past what he did, so. Terrific, man. Allegedly. I mean, after watching uh, this documentary, I, I think uh, Nicole and Ron committed suicide, but that's just where I go, but I'm just kidding. Uh, so it's like, yeah, I get it, you know, it's, you know, and I I don't want to drag you into my, uh, I'm not a very deep, uh, political person, but, uh, you don't want to talk about the justice system? Oh, the justice system's horrible, uh, for blacks, you know, but it still doesn't make me go, okay, uh, OJ should have gotten a pass, (laughs) you know, uh. It's horrible racism in the world but i still think o j killed two people so uh, but i'm not black so like they had the one black juror who was like you're, the, you're you're your shade your shade of something no i mean uh, well, i'm i think i'm pretty white but like,
1: <laughs>
0: you know i mean they had the one o j juror who basically said nicole deserved it she was like hey uh, i forgot exactly what she said but it was something like hey, if the water's too deep, get out of it. It's like, what? <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I didn't really watch that. It's uh, even, I'm telling you, it it's it's amazing. Because they. what I like is, yes, they interview some of the same people, you know, the Marsha Clarks and the the Mark Furman. First of all, Mark Furman came off more unlikable than OJ, which I didn't think was possible. Uh, but they interview like... Um, the SWAT commander that who had his gun trained on OJ that night. He went back to, his, you know, the night of the Bronco chase, like right. they interviewed the transgendered helicopter pilot who, uh, that might've been the most disturbing visual of the whole documentary. But, uh, you know, uh, he, he was basically the modern day Caitlyn Jenner. Like he was a helicopter pilot, Bob Weir, who back then was a guy uh-huh. and now he's a woman so it was just a weird visual uh you know that whole thing and uh i mean that's
1: yeah everything about it was such i mean i i remember it, you know it's a a big story but maybe the biggest of all
0: time i mean yeah, uh, I know. the uh uh you know it's, it's been said before but it was like the the first reality show like you had everything you had Kate O'Keeffe stumbling around you know the surfer you know the the clunky sidekick and you had, you know, the racist guy, cops, uh, you know, you had the OJ, you know, the most famous athletes of all time accused of a you know horrible crime. So, you know, beautiful women involved, uh, you know, the dream team, you know, the stumbling prosecution. I mean, it really had everything. So, uh, you know, if, if you have the, it's granted it's 10 hours, but it's, yeah, I didn't get bored once. I was like, I wanted more, which is the true. Like an album, a sitcom, a comic set. When you want more, it's good. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm a bit speechless and all that. Sorry, man. No, it's all right. That's a good way to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Just silence. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I'm, I'm just. But It's a deep, it's a deep, uh, you, yeah. know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, I guess it, you know, we'll wrap up with this subject. It, it's like, I don't know if you can separate their personal lives from uh, what they do uh, on the field or in the studio. You know, there was a, um, as you know, I'm a big hockey guy. Of course. I'm looking at some major trophies yeah, right here. Uh, there was a Russian defenseman on the LA Kings 2 years ago, Slava Voynov, who uh allegedly beat the shit out of his wife. Bad. Um and he was one, he's probably the second best defenseman on the team. Uh the team uh this happened uh I think early November. So the team uh had to suspend him the rest of the year. And uh they didn't make the playoffs that year. And I know if they do, if he was on the team, they probably win a third Stanley Cup. I mean, that's how good he is. And, uh, you know, so it's like part of me feels bad for thinking, God, I wish they had him. They they probably would have won a third cup. Because the Kings had been uh, just bad. They'd been around, I think. This is their 50th anniversary this year. I would say for 40 of their 50 years, they've been Mm -hmm. bad. So they they win two Stanley Cups. It's consistent. Yeah. But they finally start winning. They win two out of three Stanley Cups. And then he allegedly, you know, does what he allegedly did. And you're like, you're caught going, what a scumbag. She never hit a woman. I've come close once in my life. And not, uh, I'm not, not bragging when I say that, but I was pushed to the edge. And I held back but then you go well i mean do you you know it's like do you wish he was back helping the kings win a stanley cup or you say what a scumbag fuck him it's hard it's hard man so many mixed signals within oneself yeah i mean you know you, you know charles barkley the basketball player said hey we're not role models we're just like you are so there's that whole thing and uh, I was going to ask you
1: when you mentioned uh, OJ what was it like growing up in Bel Air nice did
0: you have a, did you have a nice old big lawn well my parents were like the fucking Beverly Hillbillies like they didn't really fit in Bel Air but uh, you know or I should say we were more like the Adams family <laughs> right like we had a nice house it wasn't like a mansion but it was nice but we had like ducks and 50 dogs running around. Uh, Did any of the dogs ever attack the ducks? No, no, the dog, we have the best dogs, which is why uh, I still am very, um, you know, have an attraction or loyalty to dogs to this day. I have one right now that I split with my ex. Um, That's a different podcast.
1: (laughs) Mind you, I'm a big fan of uh, that podcast. What's your ex's name? I don't, I don't remember. She was on the show though, right?
0: What show? Your podcast, this very show. I know uh, I'm just kidding. Her name is Gail.
1: Gail. Uh, that is a good
0: episode though. Well, uh, yeah, and we did one that never aired. That, uh, <laughs> right, was that the one that, that went into the red a little bit? Oh, I would love you know, I would love to do a podcast with uh all of my recent exes. There are a few, are there? There's a few. Uh uh you know, because I, I think it would be uh, a fascinating. Uh, I don't think anyone's really done one where you really got into it.
1: it maybe maybe be healthy to explore. You seem like a sweet guy. Are you? Are you that kind of long-term
0: partner kind of dude? Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, the, my last few relationships were about a year. Uh, Gail was, I think, six and a half years. In L.A., a
1: year's probably worth about four or five years. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. both were uh, comics. And, oh, geez. Uh, so uh it's basically a lifetime yeah i mean for you know uh and both very cool girls you know but uh different reasons they didn't work out uh But uh, I guess you'd say with Gale, it was a little more volatile. (laughs) (laughs) Will
1: that episode, will that bootleg ever air? Will it ever come out?
0: Well, I think we should... uh, No, probably not. But, uh, you know, never say never. Right. Uh, Like the great 80s metal band King Cobra (laughs) sang about. Never say die. Uh, So, uh, but I've, uh, you know done uh projects with uh the exes uh, after gail where we worked fine together so uh you know <laughs> that's uh, cool i just want my dog back uh lois come back i i'm a little i thought i might see lois actually well lois is in this weather it's so fucking hot uh i'll say this gail does have better air conditioning than i do so uh you know it's but probably for the best. probably better for right now that Lois is not uh, with me. But, uh, you know, and as to the other two exes were, I, I won't mention their names on air because, uh, heaven forbid, uh, people know you dated uh, one of the nicest guys in comedy. We wouldn't want that out.
1: You know what I mean? You um, know what? I don't want to, I don't, one thing uh, I was thinking of getting your opinion on, you know, it is said like in the sort of comedy world, you know, I mean, you know, I know, I know a lot of the waitresses at the comedy store.
0: Yes, because,
1: uh, you, uh, because I, because I, my girlfriend is, is one of the
0: waitresses at the comedy store. Legendary waitresses. Legendary. Who is your girlfriend? The very lovely Lee. Lee is the best. Uh, there's a lot of great waitresses. Really? There's none, uh, uh, that aren't great. Uh, certainly some go over better than others uh because the waitresses there, it's ve- the waitresses at the comedy store it's very much uh it's a hierarchy and uh you know you got to be cool to fit in or you will be uh you won't be there long it's very much like the com- comics you know the comedy store is a tough uh ground to be accepted in it's a tough ground man but even like boyfriends of the waitresses uh uh, are you almost put through the test. Sure, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, are you cool? Are you, you know, uh, you know. I don't know if I could uh, date a waitress at the comedy store because it's there's so many horny comics uh, up there that I would be. Uh, I don't know if insecure is the right word, but uh, I just know comics. Well, what I was going to say, and I don't mean to, like I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings.
1: You know, it's a bit harsh, but you know, one thing I did pick up on when I, when I entered that world and, you know, got to know some of the girls is you hear this sort of saying, you know, Hey, the, the, the unwritten rule is don't date a comic. You know what I mean? And I just wanted, what do you think about that from the, from the male comics perspective? I mean, are these girls
0: doing you wrong or what? Well, um, well, of course it's almost a tough question to answer without them being here. Um, I know with the, uh, girlfriend immediately after gail um uh i was having trouble with the
1: (laughs) you okay over there
0: no i'm trying to put this in the right way uh right yeah okay let's just say uh because of previous experiences uh i was having trouble with the attention the male attention that uh, oh. this girl was getting and uh it was overwhelming to me because um in a previous uh situation it was uh, done behind my back but with uh the first girlfriend after Gail, it was done in front of my face like right. <laughs> uh, you know like everyone knew I was dating this girl okay and they would still pick up on her right in front of me uh in in sometimes an aggressive uh manner and so then i started uh i thought well this is going to happen so i'm going to line up some other things uh just so when it does happen i'm not going to get burned uh, and that, that was, uh, you know, my mistake, uh, you know, with the first girl. I should have uh, said, hey, you know, uh, this is happening in front of me, can you we see?" Maybe- see, that's an
1: example in
0: life, and I don't want to get too
1: deep here, but that's where, like, fears actually create problems, Do you know what I mean? Like, you have, you have a fear, and then what happens is, or a concern, is that your behavior actually kind of makes it more unstable.
0: Well, we'd probably still be dating uh, because we had a great, uh, you know, we got along and all that stuff. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I made the mistake I made, it was uh, almost <laughs> a an uh, right. un- unwinnable uh, situation for me to get her uh, back uh in terms of what we had so uh
1: But it's tough man because as much as we love the place there is that cesspool of sleaze element I mean Oh yeah I mean I uh, mean it's not like everyone's walking around with uh you know violets in their hand or whatever and picnic
0: baskets Oh and I'm not perfect but I mean you know in in you know uh, I know that uh you know there's so many uh different agendas up there by different people like um, that, uh, you know, the start of me and Gail's problems was someone told her that I was, uh, fucking someone I wasn't. And, uh, so that just, that's a curveball. Well, it, it was, uh, a girl who I would give rights. She lived on Larrabee. So I would give her rights home, uh, not every night, but, you know, probably two, three times a week. So uh, an ex-drunk waitress was like, you know, Earl's doing this with this girl. And, uh, you know, then it just, you know, problems uh, started. Uh, So... uh. You know, it's 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 so. It, to date, uh, you know, I've lost every girlfriend I've had due to the comedy store. I guess <laughs>
1: that's quite a confession, bro. Uh, we gotta we gotta we gotta fix this pattern.
0: But it's true though, because you know you have agendas of of people wanting to. You know, uh, I think, uh, and in the comedy store is the greatest place on earth, and so I don't mean to single it out. It's it's a home, is what it is. It would be this way, uh, I think. Uh, at any comedy club that you was your home base. I, but I think a lot of comics looked at, you know, probably from every girl from Gale on and said, well, if she's fucking Earl, she'll fuck me. You know, that's, their, that's how a comic thinks. Uh, not every comic, but, you know, a lot of them. Uh, I can see how that would be a problem. Because I see it with other people. Like, uh, you know, well, she's fucking this guy. You know, I got a shot so it's a very uh you know and i saw that to a degree with uh the second girlfriend um you know oh well she's with earl like well i'm younger than earl but uh you know blah 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 she'll fuck me then and so it's just like but uh guys it's okay to finish second to daddy (laughs) in life but uh, that's another podcast. So I, you know, I, I to answer your question from 15 minutes ago, uh, <laughs> right? I think you should date whoever you like. Uh, there you go. You, you know, are it, it, it's a very sweet. That's a very sweet way to see it. But it's. I think it's true though. Like you know, uh, dating comics is, is. Would I do it again? Uh, it's tough. Uh, but you, if you I to like, you got to follow your heart. Yeah, if I liked the person, I would. You know, uh, I've never uh, dated a waitress at the comedy store, but uh, you know, you would think that would be a disaster because if it doesn't work out, then you got to see them, and then you got to watch other comics picking up on them. Uh, big name comics to open micers, Uh that would drive me insane personally. But uh, if I liked the waitress, I would date her. Date her, and if she liked me, and. You know, but I think nowadays, uh, you, uh, I think there's a shroud of secrecy, like, which I don't like, you know, uh, you know, because I think girls, especially at the comedy store, whether they're waitresses or other comics, they don't want a reputation of being what they call a chuckle fucker, which I get. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I understand, like, you know, that was. I think uh, part of the problem with the first uh, girlfriend after Gail is like we were like on the DL about it, which I was like, what, are you embarrassed to date me? Like, are you, uh, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, I always think in relationship, it's, it's frustrating if everything can't be out in the open, you know what I mean?
0: But I understand it though.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, there are people. you I know mean, there are probably people who work at the same company or something. They have to do that. But I think it is a tension. You know what I mean? It's
0: like it's nice to be able to just walk down the street and be who you are. Yeah, like literally, I would have to say, okay, you walk down to Pink Dot. Uh, I'll uh, make a left out of the Comedy Store parking lot, uh, so people don't think I'm going to pick you up, and I'll I'll go down Fountain, drive up Lacy, and again pick you up in the Pink Dot parking lot. Wow. Yeah. Because, uh, but I mean, that's uh i almost preferred uh, doing that uh, in a weird way because after the gale situation where i was literally uh, giving a girl a ride home uh, and that's it uh and by now i would say hey i fucked up you know i, I did hook up with her I, I didn't uh you know you could see a simple act of kindness was turned into me cheating and it it you know it was like the first domino in that uh situation so uh you know i think now uh the the secretness of uh yeah at the comedy store anyway has to be done like you know if you're dating a girl or a waitress uh, another comic uh, it's it's like hey I'll, i'll meet you uh in santa monica where no one knows us right which sucks i'll meet you in pasadena you know yeah but if we can't drive by the ice house because someone could see us uh, you know i mean it's it's the skull and bones uh daggery uh cloak and dagger dungeons and dragons games i don't like because i'm an affectionate person in public i mean i'm not like draped all over my girlfriend but like you know i like to hold hands and all that shit so but at the comedy store you'd be ridiculed if you like you know if you were dating a waitress and you like you know, you were waiting to go on in the hallway and they came up to you and you started holding her hand, it would be like, Oh my God, those two are dating. Well, I'm going to try and fuck her next.
1: That's so. quite, I mean, I'm seeing it from, that's quite sinister. I think I'm lucky. I'm not, I'm not too involved. You know, I'm not there, All the, you know, I'm not, there. I'm not too deeply entrenched with store issues, but I hear about a lot of them.
0: But I think you're lucky in your case, because Lee is like, you know, she does her thing and leaves she certainly does like you know it's so it's like uh, uh you know uh, and she's i think the, the longer you're up there the more you're respected like she's up she's been up there for uh on and off for almost a decade right geez yeah uh, so she's there's a respect uh level with her that maybe a, a newer waitress wouldn't get you know it's like the same thing with i mean to a degree i'm respected more than most comics up there because i've been up been doing comedy 16 years so it's like Earl's a pretty good dude. Man, that's something. To be, 16 years of comedy. Congratulations, dude. Well, I mean, this is uh it's a, you know, I'm in it for the right reasons. Like I know you're in the music for the right reasons. I mean, yes, you want fame and like, you know, fame and money, you know, it gives you the ability to make good
1: records, right? right. It sure does. Yeah, I can't put it down, man. It comes from deep
0: within. And I think those are the people who make it eventually. Like, you know, there might be people who go on American Idol or The Voice or whatever, and, and like, you know, they might get on TV before you, but, you know, a year later, where are they? They don't have the the talent or the material to, you know, have staying power. You know, like there's comics who've gone on Last Comic Standing and, you know, didn't have 10 minutes of material, but they became headliners and they weren't ready. And, you know, two years later, they're not doing comedy anymore. I was just looking at the front cover of L magazine, looking at Leslie Jones
1: the other day. There's a there's a very nice story. She, yeah.
0: I mean, uh, you know, Ghostbusters, it's, you know, it's, that's tough, man, because it's such an iconic movie that, uh, you know, they're almost set up for failure like I'm happy for her yeah I mean just I mean just I mean it's great to see her
1: oh yeah take I mean, off
0: man yeah yeah the Ghostbusters is a whole other I mean it's potato. like such an iconic movie and and it's like I don't know like you know when they remake movies like that it, it, it usually never works out uh because it's like you know like when they remade The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler you know, from the Burt Reynolds movie, it's like I it might I think that movie made money, but it's like I kind of like the Burt Reynolds one better, just because it there's just a certain uh, you can't recapture the the vibe of the X Factor, you know? I yeah, I mean, you look at the Burt Reynolds Longest Yard and Adam Sandler Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler one had much bigger actors in it you know, they had much more famous people in it. Uh, but that Burt Reynolds one, like, they, they just had something, you know, they had, they had the, butt. they had the, the tan, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, uh, of course this is a, uh, audio only podcast. You can't see, uh, yesterday. I did a, uh, show Tuesday night, the roast of Macho Man Savage. <laughs> I, I saw pictures. A lot of people have seen <laughs> pictures of that. And, uh, uh, I was the ultimate warrior what they do at the it's called the historical roast and what they do is they roast a uh someone from history you know I think they've done uh Abraham Lincoln and and, and it's a really fun show this Tuesday at the comedy store before roast battle they are I uh, think I'm playing Lenny Bruce oh wow uh, which is a it's going to be a challenge for me because he was a pretty edgy uh guy uh but I was the ultimate warrior, and uh, they did it at Meltdown Comics, and I left my jeans there. <laughs> so You were having such a good one, you just Yeah, out. I just walked out in my ultimate warrior costume to go to roast battle. Just high on life. Yeah, and then uh, I go, uh, you know, after roast battle was over, and I, I did roast battle as the ultimate warrior, I was like, oh, I'm going to put my jeans on now, <laughs> I'm feeling a little self-conscious and i thought
1: enough is enough yeah a little drafty perhaps
0: not the eight not the 80s metal band enough is enough but uh or the tv show so i'm like i'm gonna get my jeans on go to my car i realized i'd left my jeans at meltdown comics i feel that's such an earlism
1: to leave your jeans
0: yeah and and they were closed so i had to wait to you know wednesday to get them and as i'm in there uh Everyone in the store is like, oh, you were the ultimate warrior last night. I'm like, yeah, I left my jeans here. So I'm leaving, and I see a RoboCop mannequin uh, figurine. And I had to get it because that movie is so instrumental to me. It's a great movie, man. Well, it goes. The whole, only reason I'm bringing this up is they did a remake, I think, two, uh, maybe a year and a half ago uh, with Michael Keaton and... Uh, and it just wasn't the just same. Get it out of here. Man. You can't touch. you can't touch Robocop, man. Well, I the first one is just because it was made for no money. It was like done with almost an afterthought. Great uh, music, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like uh just it, the mo- the music made the movie, the movie made the music. Uh you know, Peter Weller was like the fourth choice to play Robocop. And he was perfect. Uh, it, well, he got the gig originally because he was the only actor who could fit in the costume. A lot of people don't know this, but the original, uh, the first choice anyway for RoboCop was the great, great character actor, Michael Ironside, who uh, was like the cranky drill sergeant in Top Gun and uh, been in hundreds of things, literally hundreds of things. But he was too bulky for the costume. Who was like the kind
1: of company villainous dude? Not like the... Kurtwood Smith. Not the old guy with white hair. The kind of down the chain a bit, but the kind of main, not very nice...
0: The main bad guy, Clarence Boddicker. He has a very striking kind of look. Well, there was three bad guys. Exactly, yeah. There was... I am talking about the company man. Ronnie Cox. And then I think you're thinking of the tan. Yes. uh, Miguel Ferrer. That's him. That is him. Who was George Clooney's cousin. That is him. And I saw him one night at a King game, and he was shit-faced. I mean, he was gone, and I just went up to him and there's that scene when he's with the two girls. Yeah. During the blow. And you're right. Yeah. And then the the main bad guy, Kurtwood Smith, who was a great bad guy. Cause he'd always been good guys before. There's a great, uh, not documentary, but the, in the DVD, uh, extras, the, uh, interview him and the, the main bad guy, Ronnie right. Cox, uh, where the big thing about casting them was, they'd always played good guys. And he's, like, he's like Gene Hackman, though. He can turn right. in, He can turn in a baddie or a goodie. Oh, Gene Hackman! It's like I'm so bummed out. He's 80 years old and basically quit acting because uh, he's, you know, he's fucking 80 years old. But uh, they, I so I see the bag. The guy you're talking about, Miguel Ferrer. Stumbling around drunk in a king and I just walk up to him and go, It was Dick Jones. OCP <laughs> runs the cops. It was Dick Jones. And this is probably in the late 90s. And he's like, What? I'm like, Robocop. Dick Jones, man. And he fucked you over. And he kind of laughed, but then he basically told me to beat it. Uh, but, you
1: know, it's like. That's kind of cool, though, that he doesn't really remember the. I mean, that's like a working actor that's like, Yeah, what are you talking
0: yeah. about, dude? I mean, Miguel has literally been in like. Uh, Hundreds of things. Yeah, uh, you know, good run. for him. So, but I like to do that with the not that he's an obscure celebrity, but I I love walking up. You know, this is L.A. from Los Feliz to Santa Monica to Brentwood to Bel Air to downtown L.A. I mean, anywhere you go, you will run into an actor. It's just you will. Hey, man, let me ask you something. What do you think makes a good actor? Well, I you know Gene Hackman. I mean that to me, he's the greatest actor of all time because. You can put him in anything, and it's going to be good. You can put Gene Hackman in Porky's 4, <laughs> and he would make it a watchable movie. He'll
1: turn it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's like a, a bit of an exaggeration, but... Okay. Like, it's true. Um, Just solid. Uh, you know, well, I guess what makes a great actor to me is believability. You know... Uh, when I first saw you at the store, you know
1: the hockey shirt days? Yeah. I was like, this guy... You just look like you do like the quintessential kind of sitcom character. Like the
0: wacky Kramer before the racism. Oh, or
1: or really like you look very seventies to me. I was like, why isn't he in that seventies
0: show? Where the bad guy from Robocop was the dad. There you go, dying. Um but like Kurt the great Kurtwood Smith, who I would love to get on this podcast to talk Robocop. But uh Because you know, I, I like you could tell Kurtwood Smith and RoboCop has Clarence Boddicker. That was his first time playing a bad guy, and he embraced it like you could see a gleam in his eyes. He, yeah, like, he, was, he was brilliant. I'm so used to being fathers and district attorneys and and uh, farmers, mayors. And, uh, you know, yeah, you know, uh, senators. I'm gonna sink my teeth into this role, and in uh, Ronnie Cox the same way. You know, Ronnie Cox was the uh, what was he the, the police chief in uh, Beverly Hills cop the first one where he played the good guy and he was like the the doting father like figure to Eddie Murphy uh and robocop just 3 years later was he was a great dick right um so but i love uh like i was at 711 the other day by guitar center and uh, there's a black actor by the name of tony todd now you might not you know tony todd right I don't know him, but you do, because he's like the main black bald guy, bad guy, in like uh every like action movie, and uh, he was a bad guy in Twenty Four, and uh he was in line ahead of me, and he looked at me, and he knew I knew who he was. Yeah, you, know? you were you were gleaming. Yeah, I was like I was like staring at him, and I just said, Mister Todd, because I'm such a fan of character actors, I, I like uh, know their names. I'm like, you play a great dick. And he just laughed. and He's like, thanks, my man. And he gave me a fist bump. So that's the response you want. Well, yeah. I mean, like, uh, you ever seen the movie Lethal Weapon? Sure. No, I, I didn't really like any of the sequels. But the first one, like, still, like, minus Mel Gibson's racism. Like, because you knew what he really wanted to call Danny Glover. Uh, <laughs> Again? Yeah. You, separating the man from the art. Right, see, that's tough. It's, it's like, tough. We keep running into it. Yeah. Uh, there's that scene where they take the guy into the dance club to buy the heroin uh, and they um, grab his arm. No, no, they grab Gary Busey's arm with the guy's lighter and they put the lighter under Gary Busey's arm. Right. And they're basically trying to scare him. They're like, the bulk of the heroin will be here Friday. If you try anything, you'll have to see Mr. Joshua, which is Gary Busey. I saw that guy at the 7-Eleven On La Cienega. 7-Eleven unites us all. He's buying like jelly beans and a soda. And the big tagline in Lethal Weapon was they kept asking the guy, do you smoke? Do you smoke? Yeah, yeah. Your lighter, please. And that's when they use his lighter to burn Gary Busey's arm. So I just, I'm in line. He turns around, looks at me, and he, once again, like Tony Todd. He knows. He knew I knew who he was. Now here's a guy who's literally been in, his name's Ed O. Ross. 200 movies, TV shows. I mean, he's the, uh, the definition of a working actor. Okay. And hundreds of pages of dialogue he's had in his life. And I just look at him like, Do you smoke? I just kept saying that to him. Do you smoke? <laughs> and he's like looking at me kind of weird. I'm like, The bulk of the heroin will be here Friday. (laughs) If you try anything, you'll have to talk to Mr. Joshua. And he just kind of looks at me. I'm like, lethal weapon. Come on, man. You made the heroin buy in the nightclub. And he's like, oh, yeah, thanks, man.
1: (laughs) Again, full respect. Hey, man, at the time I was doing it. I thought I was doing it as like a tribute. You did a wonderful job by the sounds of it. Not really. Does Billy Drago ring a bell?
0: Absolutely. I know who he is. I was always a big fan of his. Yeah, Bad Guy in Untouchables. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was, I think he was a second in the second, uh, not Ch- transporter. Okay. Uh, with Jason Statham. I think he was the bad guy in that. But yeah, that's a guy who. Who's you the know. other Bill
1: I'm thinking of? You know, like um, Leon in American Gigolo?
0: Bill Duke. Bill Duke. That's my boy right there. I he said he would come on the podcast. Get out of here, um, because I was obsessed with that scene. I first of all, I love American Gigolo. Classic. Um, a lot of people don't know this. Richard Gere owes his early career to John Travolta because John Travolta passed on American Gigolo and he passed on Officer and a Gentleman. But there's that scene in American Gigolo where Leon and Richard Gere talking in that Beverly Hills patio restaurant. And just Bill Duke has just, it's like six lines of dialogue. He's like, you know, Julie, (laughs) all the other boys are happy. Dip in the pool, tennis, orgasm. These bitches ever turn on you. You're through. They leave you. So I seen Bill Duke at the gym one time. By the way, that was... I'm not getting that, the dialogue exactly That was right. wonderful, though. I go up to Bill Duke. And Bill Duke's a very intimidating dude. Like, he's oh, six 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 seven, black as you can get. I mean, you can't get any blacker. And uh, I, I rarely go up to celebrities... Except just, every day by the sounds of it, <laughs> reciting their scripts, but yeah, carry on. He's got his Walkman on, his eyes are closed, and like, you know, if you if you don't know who Bill Duke is, he was also in the movie Predator. Uh, he was the only other black guy other than Carl Weathers. By the way, I thought Predator was a very racist movie. They killed both black guys in the same scene. They were like, all right, we're running behind, let's just take him out. Uh, and I, I tapped Bill Duke on the shoulder, and he kind of... He was like asleep on the the bicycle, like he was like in the zone. Uh-huh. And he pulls in his leg, and I I don't know why I had the courage to do this, but I'm like, these bitches ever turn out of you? <laughs> You're through. <laughs> and, he, and he looks at me I'm like Leon from American Jiggle. Yeah. <laughs> then he put his headphones back on.
1: Give us the give us his last lines before he went over the balcony.
0: Well, I can give you the lines in the gay nightclub when he's trying to turn Richard Gere uh the rhyming psyche like juke. They want you back. I'm trying to stop one of these fruits from snatching snatching him uh, from me. What, oh no, I you know, I finally found Joey holed up just banging away. Joey was the blonde-haired kid who didn't uh-huh. have a line in the movie, but he was like the guy who set Richard Gere up. Uh and then uh Bill Duke was uh I forget his lines in that, when he, uh, the boots.
1: Oh, no, okay, oh, yeah. Help me, please. But before yeah. then, it was like, I never liked you
0: much myself. Get out. And, that, and he talks like that in real life. Yeah. Like, when he left the club that day, I was a front desk employee at this gym in Santa Monica. I, of course, I go out, and yeah, I'm just like, ah, I just probably made an ass out of myself to this guy. But I'm like, I run out and say, like, Mr. Duke, I'm sorry for bothering you. I'm just... I'm a huge fan of American Gigolo and uh, Commando and Predator. And he just looks at me. Now, I'm like six too. I'm pretty, like, relatively tall. And he's towering over me. He's like, talk to me just like he did in Predator. He's like, Earl, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> and he just walked away. So I contact him on Twitter. I'm like, hey, will you come on Inappropriate Earl? He's like, here's my publicist. Because, uh, see, I want to, like... Like, I want to talk to him about American Jiggle. I mean, you go to get him out. Yeah, I mean, that's big time, baby. Uh, I want to talk to him about Commando. And, uh, you know, he's a very, very famous black filmmaker. I shouldn't say black film filmmaker, uh, but he does a lot of black films. Uh, but I try and get guests like him because he's, he's asked the same fucking questions over and over no one's talking to him about American oil, Yeah. Which uh, is like just a great movie. He had a great little cameo in Menace to Society. Yeah. Too. He's a very good actor. He very. was just uh, in, uh, show you how tough it is in Hollywood right now. He was just in an episode of Law and Order SVU where he played uh, kind of a shady defense attorney. He can still act. Uh, so Bill Duke, please, if you're out there. Uh, now, of course, I'm obsessed. If I had a bucket list, I mean, well, I want Gene Simmons and or Paul Stanley on the podcast. How's that going, by the way? I know it's a long-term They've campaign. never gotten back to me, but uh, I've met Gene. I interviewed him for 10 minutes at a comedy show once, and he loved it because I went real deep with the references. I'm like, hey, Gene, how's Michael James Jackson doing? Michael James Jackson was the producer on "Lick It Up," Uh, so he he immediately dug that I was knowledgeable. Right. So far, I haven't gotten back to me. Paul, I'm a little scared of because I could just kind of probably tell he wouldn't like my sense of humor, but I would still like to have him on. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. It's like you know, I would love to uh, because you know, Kiss in the '80s was. Basically, Paul Stanley's solo band. Because Gene was off doing movies and, you know, his wacky business adventures. And, uh, damn, we're almost at the two-hour mark. Now, we got about five minutes just because the recorder... Here's the thing. The recorder shuts down at two hours, and then it goes over to another file, and I still have not found. I don't know how to like. I, I
1: think I think we're good at two hours. I think. Hey, listen, we've just been chilling and chatting, man. But
0: I mean, this is. I mean, just make sure. Uh, I have to stand up. Okay, we've got uh, four minutes to wrap up. But I'm not. But like, see, I want to have famous guests on, but talk about like their not least known. Like, I want to talk about Kiss in the '80s, which to. Kiss fans is like their dark era. Yeah. Like it's the era where like a lot of the hardcore Kiss fans dropped out. They're like, Oh, they're just trying to be like, you know, a 40 year old version of Bon Jovi. Cause they would have like Desmond child write their hits and Desmond child, someone I want on this podcast. I mean, his publishing is like, he's written for Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Kiss, uh, Cher, Ricky Martin, uh, you know, Kelly Clarkson. I mean, that's a guy, but once again, I wouldn't want to talk about any of that with him. I want to talk about the album he wrote with Rat. Right. Which nobody talks about. But, uh, so, you know, they, uh, Moan Red. Moan Red. Sorry, I slipped up there almost. Uh, where? So, moanred.com. Moanred.com, certainly. Spacehurricane.com.
1: Spacehurricane.com. And where on Twitter are you? Oh, you may as well follow me at, at
0: Red, and I'll keep you in the know of some very cool musical things, man. And that's for my fan base, which is. Never been accused of being in Mensa. That's <laughs> Moan Red is M-O-A-N-R-E-D. It's like moan, something you probably don't get many women to do out there. Red dot com. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm talking to I'm alienating the eight people who listen to this. <laughs> uh the good eight. You no, know, yeah, my fans are the best. I mean, they're not the most uh uh, high-numbered uh, group of people in the world. But uh, I think uh, Zika has more fans than I do. And I'm one of them. I yeah. came face-to-face face with a hero today. But, I mean, you're an incredible musician, incredible talent, and, yes, I started this podcast to interview like people I wanted to meet, like the bad guy from Superman 2. Right. Because I had this podcast. I could tweet at him and go, Mr. O'Halloran, Superman 2 is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Would you come on and talk about your boxing career and in that movie like if i didn't have this podcast i would he'd be like, oh, you just want to meet me uh, i'm good on that uh so this podcast is it, you know i got to meet the singer from rat my favorite singer of all time because he saw value in coming on uh, but another cool thing i like doing about having this podcast is i can expose people like you to my fans. Well, and, I'm flattered, uh, mate. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. No, you're great. I mean, I'm not a typical, like, the, your style of music is not typically the music I would listen to, but I like it. So, oh, cheers, man. Um, You know, I hope some of my fans, you know, my metalhead fans will go, I, you know, we've listened to the Bon Jovi album 10,000 times. Let me at least give Moan Rat a shot, Space Hurricane a shot. So, uh, I hope that, uh, I hope I got you some new fans today. Um, inappropriate Earl is on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. Joe Rogan has like 30,000 reviews on iTunes. Uh, and he deserves all of them. He's great. He gave me a real nice plug the other day on the Joe Rogan podcast. He did not have to. Very cool. I mean, I am a complete unknown and he for five minutes talked about me, which, uh, was pretty amazing to hear. So thank you, Joe Rogan. I, don't think you listen to this podcast, but if, uh, if someone who knows Joe Rogan listens to this, tell him I said thank you. Uh, he was incredibly grateful, uh, gracious to me at Roast Battle the other night. And, uh, you know, it's kind of neat to get acknowledgement from someone like him. But uh, I'm just asking for a few reviews. And don't overdo it. <laughs> don't say this is the greatest podcast of all time. Uh, Earl's the greatest comic of all time. You got to, like, you got to play it cool, right? Uh, if you like it, great. And if you don't like it, put it. I will leave the reviews up. I don't take down one bad review. So uh, thank you for the love. Please uh, share this uh, with Moan Red on Facebook and uh, Twitter, and uh, you know SoundCloud. I, I don't really know how to share things on SoundCloud, but uh, you know, the more people who listen to it, the better it is for all of us. So uh, this is Earl Skakel. You can follow me at Earl Skakel on Twitter, Facebook, and are you on Instagram? Indeed, moan red again. So uh, please, go on Instagram. That's like the new uh, promotional tool. And uh, this will be out tomorrow, Friday, which will be uh, let's see, uh, June 24th, just in time for the weekend. So we'll see you on the information superhighway.